Hello, Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us again on another episode of the Sandalwine Podcast Experience. And today is, for me, is a special episode because uh, I love technology and I work in, I guess you could call it technology, with Sandalwine. And I work also in mental health um, with Sandalwine. And I'm trying to bring therapists on Sandalwine, which is a an app where therapists can create content, audio content, and share with the world. And in my in my um, journey, you know, building Sandalwine and meeting therapists and psychologists and counselors from all over the United States and some in other countries, I've learned that. I don't say it as a negative thing, but they're kind of slow to jump on to new technologies. And I really don't know why that is. So today I have a special guest again. Uh, she was on a earlier podcast. Her name is Rachel. She's one of my favorites. And we are here to talk everything technology and mental health. So Rachel, thanks for coming back on to the episode to the to the podcast for another episode. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to chat again about a different topic. Yeah, yeah. And this topic for me really, really hits home because I've struggled a lot to get uh, therapists to actually, you know, record content for Sandalmine. And I've been, you know, I've been scratching my head for the last two years, even before the app launched, you know, how can I get more therapists on? If I make it easier for them to record, will they do it? Um, if, you know, I, I ask I ask therapists, what, why don't you record? You know, why haven't you got on Sandalmine? And a lot of it is time. And I understand that. So, you know, one reason I want to make it easier is because of the time. But, you know, a lot of therapists aren't really quick to jump on it because they, they're, they don't really know if the app is... I don't know, uh, let's call it medically proven. Um, I try to explain it to them as like, hey, it's just like writing a blog, but it's just an audio format. Um, so so I really don't know the reason. So I guess to kick off this, the show, can you explain or tell us a little bit about why therapists are kind of, you know, they're not quick to jump on technology as much as, I, you know, I would say everyone else is or other people are. Yeah, I think so. You really touched on a good point in terms of time. So something that actually really caught my attention even in a conversation I was having last week, knowing that I was going to come on today and talk about it is that so I a kind of brief synopsis of how doctors who everybody thinks of when they think of healthcare and insurance, how they can bill is that so in whatever block of time they book patients for, let's say 30 minutes. In that 30 minutes, they get to bill for a variety of services. They can bill for a primary care evaluation. They can bill for checking someone's blood pressure, for doing a flu shot, for doing nutrition counseling, for, for recommending them see a therapist. They can bill for like a bunch of different services in 30 minutes, which then increases their earning, obviously. So in that 30 minutes, they can make a good amount of money. And I will put a disclaimer on this and say everybody is struggling with this because I think doctors are getting really screwed over by insurance companies these days. And it's just very hard. You know, I know doctors, it's really hard to be a physician these days, yeah. but there is still that component that you can kind of cram a bunch of things into a thir into 30 minutes. So therapists, however, mm -hmm. In a 45 minute session, which I feel like is standard for most people, we get to bill for one thing. So that means that we can't kind of combine and say, oh, well, I talked to somebody about their anxiety, but I also made a suggestion about their family and then also gave them a coping strategy to sleep better. So therefore, I'm going to get paid for those three things. Like we get paid X amount, depending on the insurance company or private pay for our time. It ends up being a lot less. So most often therapists are pretty overworked and really kind of cramming as many clients as possible into a day, especially if they work for themselves, which a lot of therapists, that's the setup is that they still do. Yes. So that being said, I think time is a huge component in that 
given how overworked and underpaid a lot of mental health providers are, you have to really make it seem, I guess, worthwhile. It's almost like the attitude is kind of like, prove to me this is valuable of the few hours or few minutes that I have in between sessions or, you know, to give up my free time, even if it's 10 minutes. So that, yes. that I think is like kind of number one. And I like that you said that because I think that is a really valid point. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and the time thing, I definitely understand. Um, I remember when I first started thinking about, you know, building Santa Mine and I, I started telling therapists about it on LinkedIn and every therapist I told was like, oh, that's a wonderful idea. That's a great, I'll definitely contribute. So, you know, I was excited, but then when it launched and I started reaching out again, I just, I just started hearing crickets. Uh, and, you know, some therapists told me, you know, it's a time issue and, you know, in before knowing anything, you know, I, I just jumped into this and I was thinking like, oh, this is great. People love helping others, especially therapists. So mm -hmm. they're just going to record tons and tons of content. But, you know, reality hit and it's not it's not like that. And um, after speaking to, you know, I don't even know, maybe like a thousand therapists now, you know, I've gotten a lot of feedback from from I wouldn't say most from a couple and they've all given me different answers of how to. Um, incentivized therapists. And before I spoke to any therapist, you know, I just thought like, oh, helping people would be enough. I was just, right. I wasn't really thinking um, long-term, but now, you know, of course people have to be incentivized. So now I have a ton of, tons of ideas on how to incentivize them. Um, but when building, when building a product or any company, you know, it, it starts, it starts slow and, you know, you're an entrepreneur yourself. You, you, you know, everything, you know, all about building a, a business from scratch. So how, what do you say, uh, you know, how do you get those first, let's call them clients to, you know, be those first believers in the technology to, to be the ones who use it before there is any incentive to that other person? Yeah, I think part of it is also like time is obviously a factor, but I think the other part of it is, is that there's a lot of, or I should say there's not a lot of flexibility and openness in terms of what the mental health field can be. And I think that's for a lot of reasons. I think there's still obviously a huge stigma around mental health. And I think a lot of people take therapy and mental health services and still see it as something very serious. Like you do it when you're in crisis or you do it when something terrible has just happened to you. And I think now we're just starting to come around to the idea of like, actually therapy can just be to, as we like to say at Viva Wellness, to help you live better. Mm -hmm. Not, yeah. you can't get through the day, not that, you know, it's hard to get out of bed, which of course there should be resources for people who really are struggling, but that it's for everyone. So I think given that attitude and given that mindset, you have then people who say, well, therapy can't be in an audio recording, and that's 100% true, yeah. but that doesn't mean a mental health resource cannot exist in conjunction to therapy or, you know, for people who are considering therapy or for people who aren't able to do therapy right now. It doesn't have to be all or nothing, and I think a lot of it is just very similarly to how cultural attitudes shift slowly in everything. It's very much about that. And so I can see kind of the idea of like, oh, well, like, what is this? Like, I don't know about this. And yeah. as I'm sure you know, people, when they <laughs> know things, are hesitant to kind of try it or to dive in or to explore more or to see how that it can be a good thing. So I think a lot of it is perspective shift. Mm -hmm. And obviously, like, incentives are important. People like to get things. But I think a lot of it is kind of perspective shift and showing like, hey, this is the purpose of this and this is why this is important and needed rather than, you know, kind of expecting them to know. Cause I know for you and me, it seems like very common sense why this is needed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So just to, uh, now I want to get, I want to get away from, I don't want to make it about Santa mine. So I want to get away from that now, but I want to stay on technology. So just a general question uh, from what I've seen. So why are, therapists, psychologists, and counselors, why are they slow to jump on technology around mental health? Yeah, I think a lot of, and I'm even thinking back to, and I'm not that old. So even in like <laughs> my grad school classes, we, one of the classes that I took, it was very strict on ethics. It was the ethics class. And I don't want to say like ethics are not important, 
-hmm. but it was very rigid. So in the sense of like, for example, the big thing that always comes up is that you never accept gifts from clients, like no matter what blanket rule, that's was the message. And now, and I think even then I'm, I was thinking like, really never, <laughs> like a never. And the story I always tell people is that when I was, you know, my first job out of grad school, when I was a case manager working in a housing program with, um, mentally ill adults, there was a client that I went to visit. And so we had, it was a scattered site program. So they had apartments throughout the community and we went and visited them in their apartment. So this is a woman whose apartment I'm going to, I'm going into her home once a month and we're talking about how she's doing, how I can support her, you know, the condition of the apartment, whatever. And she was a Latina woman. And anyone who knows anything about Latina women is that they are very big on opening their home, making people feel like family. That's a yep. big cultural ideal for a lot of for a lot of people from that background. And yeah. she was a baker. And so every time I came in, she offered me homemade baked goods, uh -huh. brownies. She made banana bread one day. And according to the ethics, I'm supposed to reject that. That's ah. my client. I'm not supposed to offer or take a gift from her. She should not be offering that to me. I should not accept that. Well, but I can only imagine that's offensive. If yeah, I go yeah. home from her, you know, based on her cultural beliefs and how she grew up, if I go into her home and she offers me this and I refuse her every time, that's considered really disrespectful, and it's also yeah. probably going to damage our relationship. It's so, also it's also not only for lions. A lot of cultures that's that's uh, offensive too. Yes, exactly. And it's like, mm -hmm. so in what world am I? Also, not to mention the brownies were really good. <laughs> <laughs> so you did take them. <laughs> right. But like, in what world am I going to offend this client just on the basis of like this is right? And so I think that leads into the technology thing of that. You know, therapy is very private. It's supposed to be very confidential. It's supposed to be very rigid. Like this is what a session looks like. And technology is the opposite of that because it is very open. It's very talked about. It's yeah. very normalized. And I think with anything, people are very hesitant to move towards new ideas a lot of times. It's scary mm -hmm. for people. And I think that's especially true when you're talking about, you know, you go back to the idea of therapists being very overworked and working for themselves and it's their livelihood. So it's like, I don't know that I want to deviate from what I'm used to, even mm -hmm. if there's a possibility that it can open up a ton new opportunities. And I think that's kind of like mm -hmm. anything that's the holdup. Yeah. Cause I, I, I've even, you know, I know that therapists are overworked. So you know, part of my, let's call it sales pitch is telling them, Hey, listen, you know, this is going back to Santa Mai. This is a brand new, brand new concept. But, you know, at scale, this will probably open up different opportunities for you, speaking engagements or, you know, going to companies and, and speaking, uh, you know, I, on behalf of Satomai, but getting paid for it mm -hmm. and getting paid much more than having to just, you know, work for those 45 minutes and billing and getting burnt out. So this will open up your schedule. Um, but then that opens up, you know, uh, another problem which I don't know how it's going to be solved. Um, not enough therapists. And right. that, that's another problem that, that we have here. In, well, we have in the entire world. And that brings me back to technology and brings me to artificial intelligence. Um, so artificial intelligence is, is, they say, you know, it's going to take over the world. But there's, there's, I think there's a couple of companies, but there's one that I know that has been out for a, a couple of years and it's an artificial intelligence bot called Tess. And you text, you text this bot and, and it acts as your therapist, but they don't call it therapy, obviously, because they can't. Right. But people have, are saying that, you know, it has empathy. It talks back as soon as they, you know, they text Tess and they wouldn't know if it was a bot or a real person that they were texting. So people are loving it. So are therapists, this is a two-part question, are therapists worried that they're gonna, technology is going to take away their jobs? Or, or can they use this technology to help them you know, not get so burnt out in their jobs? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I mean, I personally don't view it that way, but I also am very much on the side of that creating 
any kind of resource for people to take care of their mental health and their well-being in general. So I'm usually on board with saying if it's helpful and not harmful to any group of people, cool, let's do it. Mm -hmm. and, but I can definitely see how if you're not from that perspective that, yeah, like you could be fearful of, you know, some of the technology based mental health resources like taking away from traditional therapy. Mm -hmm. And what's funny is that it's not even necessarily like it doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be both. So yeah. I think the more resources we have, the better. And I think, yeah, there's definitely some therapists that if they really thought about it, almost want there to still be a need for people to be in crisis because that's what their practice is built on. And mm -hmm. if that's who they see and that's kind of what they do you can definitely, you know, be fearful of that. Like, oh, well, if everybody's healthy, like, what am I going to do? Yeah. And I think there's always going to be a need for mental health resources, but it's just a matter of how people access it is definitely going to change. It is changing. And yeah. rather than kind of resist that, it's almost like adapting to it because you have to go with what people are saying that they need or what people are responding to. Because if the goal is to help people, you have to present your services in a way that is going to help people. And I think yeah. there will always be people who, you know, will come to face-to-face -face therapy. It's super beneficial. We can talk about that all day long. But mm -hmm. in the interim, or for people who, for whatever reason, especially while mental health care is really still not accessible for a lot of people, they should not be left with nothing. Exactly, exactly. And and if therapists, are, you know, if there are if there is a shortage of therapists and the therapists that, that are practicing are you know, just burnt out or too busy or don't have any schedule scheduling open for new patients, right. then why be against something that can help people along the way until you have something that's open where they can see you face to face? Because I think all these new resources are, are just going to get more and more people, you know, maybe curious, like, wow, this is great. I wonder what real face to face therapy is like. That's how, that's what I see it as. Right. No, I totally agree. Is that you, everybody comes to the front door and for a different reason. You know, I have people who have been in therapy for years and, you know, this is just a part of what they do. And then I have a lot of people who are first time people and it's scary. It's scary to do anything new. It's scary to open up to somebody. It's a big financial commitment. It's a big time commitment. And so, right. If somebody's not ready to do that yet, that doesn't mean they shouldn't have any resources. And I think yeah. Yeah, that definitely have knowing what it's like to take care of your mental health with smaller steps towards doing it can then make people realize, oh, hey, I want to do this more. It's it's kind of like if somebody who's never exercised before, all of a sudden, like they're you're telling them, oh, well, you want to exercise? Cool. You can go to CrossFit five days a week or you can do nothing. And it's like, no, no, <laughs> there has to be yeah. something in between because some people aren't ready to go to CrossFit or like dedicate themselves to a full fledged exercise program. You need yeah. something for in between. And then that's how people can say, oh, this is actually really amazing. Let me do more. Or people ebb and flow. Sometimes they're, in, you know, people want to come into therapy. Sometimes an online resource might be effective. You can it's not competitive. It's just both. You can do both. Yeah. Yeah, so what do you see, do you see um, a therapist's role or job changing in the future, you know, working alongside with technology? Maybe there's, maybe there's a white labeled app for each therapist. Maybe there's a Rachel bot and, you know, that's the crisis bot for all your clients, you know, when, when you, when they're not with you because they see you once a week and for, for six days, and 23 hours, they're not with you. So they need something to carry them along. Do you think your job as a therapist is going to change in the future? I hope so in certain ways. Like I, what something that we're trying to, or I should say we are going to do with Viva Wellness in as we kind of progress and grow is to make more resources that are general resources. So like, you know, webinars and handouts and things like that. And I think that is helpful. And I think it's something that works in conjunction with therapy as well, is that it's helpful reminders. You know, we did a workshop on positive self-talk and then everybody who attended was sent a daily mantra every day for a week. And so you can say to somebody, for example, 
oh, you know, repeat this really positive thing to yourself, but then isn't it more effective if then you can like send them a graphic or like send them something that they can click on and that there's a reminder of it. So mm -hmm. you have to kind of adapt to helping people with how they live. And we all have a lot of technology in our lives. So if you, this is why there's so many fitness apps and, you know, at home workouts and things you can download and do on your iPad. And if it works for physical activity or even like medical services, why are we not doing that for mental health? You know, just because there's a WebMD doesn't mean people have stopped going to the doctor. Yeah, yeah, of course. I know that. Uh, that that's why I'm always, well, I don't want to say I'm always, but, mm -hmm. you know, the therapist that I that I have spoken to that have told me they don't want anything to do with technology and what you're doing is terrible for mental health. I, I used to, it used to hurt me, but now I just see it as, oh, you know, they're just not going to stay with the times. And, you know, and if they are, what, what I, what I didn't get is that, you know, if they are all booked up all the time, you know, shouldn't people be able to get help some other way? So I, I, I would love to have conversations with them to know what they're thinking of the people that can't get help. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of times it's just people and by people, I mean, all of us do this to some extent is get tunnel vision and like, well, this is how I've always done it. It's been fine. It's worked, you know, more or less well. And so why am I doing something different? Something different is scary. I've been told in the past it shouldn't be this way. This goes against what I've been normally doing. And yeah, and I think it's often about a change of perspective. And I think that's people are resistant. People are resistant to things. And yeah, I would be interested to see if like that person, for example, this hypothetical person was willing to actually have like an open dialogue about it, like what the real concerns would be that come out. Because right on the surface, it seems like I don't understand why this is bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially if there's a way to make money from it, you know, there's nothing that exactly. you can't, you know, and create a webinar or a PDF handout and say, okay, you want this anxiety resource? Cool, you know, five dollars a download, mm -hmm. right? Like it's not as nobody's asking people to give away their time for free, but it's you know, why can't there be multiple different ways that you can help people? based on what they need. And I think that's a lot of what stigmatizes mental health is that you're a lot of times people get wrapped up in saying, oh, you know, this is what you need to do. Like you have depression. Oh, do this. Like you need therapy. Well, it's going to look like this. Well, what if that's not helpful? Does that okay. person just get shut out? Because they shouldn't. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And another thing I was thinking about was so there there's, you know, a new economy now there's all these delivery apps and, you know, people can get these jobs to deliver on bike, scooter, car, by train, whatever. There's, there's TaskRabbit where you can hire anybody for any task you can think of. There's Uber where you can drive your own car and, you know, make, and make money from taking people around from point A to point B. So one of, one of the things I was thinking, of course, for a sand of mine, you know, how do I create an economy for therapists so that they can be incentivized with with money you know with payments from people you know um asking for this this type of service so I, i've been kind of jogging my mind okay what can that service be can it just be where it's audio where people just you know say hey i want to give you five dollars a month because you've helped me and it, it's all on the person you know it's not um, you don't have to pay um but then I have other ideas. Maybe there's something like an on-demand thing. If people are walking around and, you know, they're feeling down or they need a little boost, maybe in the area there's a therapist that, you know, she had a can he or she had a cancellation or they don't have anybody this hour and this therapist is closest to where the person is walking in the neighborhood and they can go see that person. So these are a lot of things that I've been, that I, you know, I think about daily. But I want to ask you, what you as a therapist, uh, and you're also a business owner, but what would be worthwhile to you as a therapist? What would be a great incentive that would excite you as a therapist to make some side income from using uh, technology? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely 
100% your target audience in the sense that, like, I think the app is great and I'm totally on board with, like, anything that is that is something that makes mental health accessible. So that being said, like, I'll take a step back and look at it, like, objectively. Like, let's say I didn't know you and I didn't know Santa Mine and I wasn't, like, on board with the mission. Like, somebody's just coming to me. I think yeah. the biggest thing that is really um, appealing towards business owners to healthcare providers in general is the idea of passive income. It's like mm -hmm. you do this thing once or you do this thing a couple times and then it's out there in the world and you can continue to make money from it. And it's hard because I think you're in a really hard place where I think it's probably going to evolve more over time in the sense of like trying to balance that it is a healthcare relationship and that there are certain limitations with any healthcare relationship, which is unfortunate. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, trying to also make it so the therapists make money and, you know, you as a business owner makes money, but also it's accessible to people. But also there's definitely a perception of value that is given when a monetary value is placed on something versus mm -hmm. offering something for free. And it's like a huge balancing act which, you know, I don't envy you on that. <laughs> um, but I think yeah. that's kind of the biggest thing, at least like if I'm taking a step back and looking at it objectively from like a therapist or business owner's perspective is the idea of like passive income. Okay. And are there any new technologies or apps or products you've seen out there that you're excited about for mental health? I mean, other than Santaline, okay. I <laughs> really like shine text mm -hmm. um so basically it's exactly kind of what it sounds like it's an app that you know has different advice challenges meditations etc basically a self-care app is i guess the yeah. best way to say it um and i think that's pretty helpful in the sense of like it's little you know daily reminders and different kind of like quick self-care guides or ways that you can um you know, kind of guide yourself along that process if that's something that's difficult for you to remember, you know, to take a pause and focus on what you need. And I feel like I say that to my clients a lot of like, hey, check in with yourself, ask yourself how you really are. Then if mm. you're feeling, you know, stressed or, or anxious or depressed, ask yourself what you need and getting into that practice. And I think that, you know, that's a really helpful app to kind of keep you in that mindset. Um, I like the, and I will put a disclaimer on this to say that I cannot use them because traditional meditation super stresses me out, yes. but I think the meditation apps like Headspace and Calm really yes. brought meditation and the idea of taking a time out to chill and to turn your mind off however you do that. I think that was really helpful. And, you know, like I said, I will say that I personally do not use them, but I think the message that they sent out and, you know, the general awareness of needing to take that break was really helpful. So that's definitely something that I watch and admire from afar. Cause like I said, I tried a couple times and it, it just didn't go well. <laughs> yeah. They, they've made meditation cool and mainstream. Right, exactly. And then coming from that, it's the whole idea of like, hey, actually, you should have time to just like have for you and whatever. Yeah. And you say that to say that it doesn't have to look like traditional meditation, but it's they put that message out there that whether it's an app or whether it's, you know, anything that makes you kind of zone out for a little bit, that that's something that should be incorporated into your day. Yeah. And are there are there any mental health apps or or products out there that are involved with the general therapist public where you can go on and create create some passive income for yourself? I not that I know of in terms of like passive income in the sense of like that you put something at you create something and then it's there and it's kind yeah. of and you stream. Yeah, not that I know of, which is part of why, you know, I think that Santa Mind is a great resource and also, you know, really speaks towards the whole mental health needs to be more mainstream and accessible thing. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think that that's definitely something that at least, and I will say I am not the most like technologically savvy person ever. Like somebody <laughs> asked me the version of my iPhone I have, I'm like, I don't know, iPhone, but not, at least not mainstream enough that I have heard of it and can think of it off the top of my head. Um, mm -hmm. And so, like, I think there's definitely 
ways to do it. Like different therapists will contribute to different blogs or articles and things like that. And that might be monetized or not, or it might just lead to like publicity, which then obviously is monetized. But I definitely think that, yeah, that's something we need way more of. And you talked about the, the blog and publicity. So it kind of made me think of a question and something I read today as well. Um, so it's a two-part question. What do you think about the the new, I guess, mental health therapist influencer? Mm-hmm. And where is the line drawn between being a therapist wanting to help and, you know, wanting to be more so wanting to be an influencer for quote unquote fame? Yeah, this is a really good question. Um, do you have a couple hours? No. So uh, yeah. <laughs> I think that one of the things that is happening in the topic of mental health and it comes off as being helpful and I appreciate that people's hearts are in a good place, but I think it actually has some pretty negative consequences in terms of only mental health providers should be speaking from an expert position mm-hmm. or a factual position. So if somebody's battled anxiety, depression, um, you know, any any kind of mental health concern, if they've had suicidal thoughts, if they have gone through whatever, high stress, insomnia, it doesn't matter, and they want to share their experience, wonderful. I think it needs to be talked about more often. I think that's mm-hmm. happening a lot more with anxiety and depression specifically with grief, I think that's great, but it needs to be stated as if it is from your perspective, just yeah. like, and no one would think to do this with the medical field. You know, you don't speak about, you know, different types. If you were diagnosed with cancer, you don't speak about different types of chemotherapies. Objectively, you would say, Hey, so when I had cancer, I did X, Y, and Z, and this was helpful. This wasn't helpful, whatever. People kind of blended a lot with mental health in the sense of like, you know, believe in yourself and, you know, tell yourself you're great and make sure that you're doing this. Or if you have anxiety, you should meditate. If you have depression, you should get out of the house. You should surround yourself with loved ones, all of that. And like, yes, those are really great suggestions, but I think it just needs to make sure it's coming from a place where you can see the issue from a more objective standpoint rather than just like what your experience was. And so like, this is something, you know, I've battled chronic pain for years. And I think that there's a lot of things that I know a lot about because it's been my experience for so long, but I would never speak about it generally. Like if somebody, somebody came to me and said, Hey, here's something that I'm managing too. I'm not saying like, Oh, well, blah, blah, blah. Like this is what you need to do. And this will hundred percent work. I would be like, hey, so this is what I do, but you need to speak to a doctor, you need to speak to a PT, a physical therapist, or whoever else. And yeah. I think that that part is missing, is that it's not as mandatory for people to say, like, hey, here's my advice on mental health based on my experience, but like, you need to speak to a therapist, you need to research from a mental health provider. And so I think, whereas a lot of influencers who may not have a mental health background are 100% coming from a good place, I think that piece needs to be added back in to just put the seriousness on it. That like if meditation isn't helping your depression or anxiety, it's not because there's something wrong with you. It's because that's basically like, you know, a WebMD kind of blanket suggestion rather than something that's tailored specifically towards you. Yeah. And what do you think about the therapist or psychologist that's becoming an influencer, you know, themselves, but they're kind of gravitating or I, I don't know, excited more about being an influencer, but using mental health to get them there. Cause I, I there are a couple out there that I've seen that, you know, they have the perfect Instagrams, the psychologists, the therapists, but I see the buying of the likes and the buying of the comments yeah. because you can, you can tell right away. So to that to me, you know, I'm not judging anybody, but it's kind of like, I don't know. I feel weird about that. Um, what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I agree with any type of healthcare provider in general. I think you see a lot of medical professionals that do that also. Um, mm-hmm. before social media, like they were on TV or whatever, um, yeah. I can't off the top of my head, but you know what I'm talking about. Yep. That's that, yeah. Right. <laughs> Thank you. That's a really good one. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just, 
I'm a hundred percent for using social media as a platform to be a community of or to um, be a support system for people who are struggling and to normalize mental health and to share and to share from both a personal and expert position. Like I think that's a really valuable position to be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, just like anything, it's about balance. You know, are you sharing because you really think this is a helpful tool for somebody? Are you sharing because you think it's a really valuable experience and you want to be able to reach out to people? Or are you delivering a particular message because you think the analytics tell you that this is a good message to deliver and it's not necessarily, you know, meaningful or or sincere to you? And you start to go into that territory where you're posting, you know, obviously people want to be successful in their social media and they want to develop a good reach. But Mm -hmm. if it's the only motivation or the primary motivation, then I think you've gotten into dangerous territory where like now you're selling something and I'm really big on like healthcare things should never be sold for the purpose of, you know, obviously like I run a wellness practice. It's a business. We need to make money. I like to eat. I eat a lot. (laughs) But at the same time, like we really try to make sure that like, Hey, are we spreading the right message? And I think that needs to be first and foremost and working in conjunction with the fact that like, yeah, you need to, you know, develop a business, but like it needs to be guided by the message and guided by, you know, genuinely trying to help people. Yeah. And that's, uh, I'm glad you said that. And, you know, it's exactly the same way I feel because, you know, I've seen some of these Instagram pages and I, I thought I might be weird thinking these things, but I, I'm on the same page as you. So I'm, I'm, I feel much better now that, you know, another therapist feels the same way that me as a normal person, as a regular person feels, because I thought, you know, maybe I'm overthinking it, but I'm seeing those pages look exactly like, you know, a regular influencer page. And it's just going into just the analytics now of what's going to give the most exposure so I'm like, well, where's the line of Jordan? Because you can build a community naturally, you know, but people are looking for this content and, you know, people that are struggling are, they're going to find you no matter what, but buying the fake likes and the fake comments that I think that's like kind of cheesy for any healthcare yeah. professional to do. Absolutely. I agree. And, you know, I think a good example is that, you know, we have a blog that Jarrell, my business partner and I right through and you know it's related to viva wellness but it's kind of it's a little more casual and laid back and blog like for lack of a better Mm -hmm. and we have discussed the idea of like brand partnerships and you know sponsored posts or post promoting a product and we're 100 percent for that you know on a business standpoint like not gonna lie that's obviously very beneficial business-wise but we have the rule we're not going to promote anything that we also wouldn't personally recommend so anything that goes up on there is probably something that we use and that yeah. we have found a benefit to ourselves. And I think that's like a good example of the balance is that obviously we're getting some business benefits from that, from a potential partnership, but also at the same time, I'm saying, Hey, like, no, I'm genuinely also recommending this because I like this product rather than like, Oh, you know, a close friend who's asking me, I would never recommend this, but they're paying me or they're incentivizing me in some way. And so therefore it's fine. It's like, no, if you wouldn't recommend it to your friend, why are you recommending it to the public? Yeah. And, and Santa mine is always down to do something with people on this, <laughs> but um, yes, absolutely. It's funny. You mentioned the sponsored posts because t- just today, right before we got on the call, I didn't finish. I didn't get to finish reading the article, but I saw an article about, um, I don't even know if I should mention a company, but yeah, it's BetterHelp. You know BetterHelp, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there were a lot of YouTube influencer sponsored uh, ads that were paid by BetterHelp, or I don't know if they were split, but influencers mm-hmm. were also posting pictures on Instagram with like a, um, the first one I saw was a garbage bag. And I didn't read the full caption, but it had something to do with it said something, oh, thankfully, with better help, you know, they helped me get over my depression that looks like this garbage bag. You know, I'm not quoting that, but it was something along those lines. Right, right. But they kind of got in trouble with that. I didn't finish reading the article. I'll send it to you. But that is like a big story. It came out in mid-October, end of November, and I just found out about it. So that's a big like controversy now. 
Because one thing I, oh, I'm always worried about and thinking about is every time I post something on Sanomine, you know, more and more. So now I make sure that, you know, I'm not overstepping my boundaries and I'm, I'm not saying the wrong thing. So I don't try to get too technical or scientific unless I just grab a post from somebody else and repost it or I, I, I quote something that I read online because I'm worried you know, that I'll say the wrong thing and, you know, I'll, I'll get involved in some wild scandal or be written up as, you know, like a phony. Right. But how, how does, how, how do you like in, in doing a sponsor, you know, you said you would only do it with somebody or, or a product that you, that you yourself would use. So what would you say to like, it's cool now saying, oh, I'm depressed, I'm anxious. Like, it's becoming, like, a cool thing just for, it's sad, but to get likes and to get the followers. So what what do you say to companies that are partnering with influencers and just, you know, pushing these things out there like this company did with these influencers? Yeah, I think it's, you know, there's two sides to everything. I'm a big, I'm a big believer of that, is that I think that using influencers and making it seem more casual is helpful in making it more accessible. You know, it needs to be something that we talk about regularly and people see a lot of different people, especially people that they, you know, follow and look up to or, you know, are entertained by talking about mental health. So I think in that respect, it's a good thing. But I think this also goes back to kind of what I said earlier about making sure that the expert perspective is from a mental health professional or a mental health provider is, is really important is that we need to make sure that that expert advice quote unquote is coming from somebody who is an expert in the field rather than just somebody who's like you know this app is great it's like no no that app was probably great for you and i i totally believe that i think that's amazing is that you know that's just better help for example is just another way that people can access mental health when they weren't able to before but the influencer who's saying it's a great app i hope that they've used it and I hope that they genuinely believe that and that I hope that messages like that are coming from the perspective of I am a person who used this app and found it helpful, not I am a person who has no education in mental health telling you that objectively this is a beneficial tool for your depression, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. And like I think it's not. I like that people are being more open with their struggle with anxiety. I think a lot of people who are famous are coming out and saying that and I'm a big fan of um, you know, I follow a lot of the athletes who have done that, mm-hmm. and I think it's great. But again, it goes back to that's amazing that they're feeling strong enough to share their struggle, but their struggle is just that. It's their experience, and that they can speak on that, but they can't speak on mental health in general. Yeah. Yep, I agree. I agree. Uh, it's just, you know, it's interesting seeing how, like I've been saying, this is like the birth of mental health really getting out there and becoming mainstream but you know it's see there's a lot of things that i'm seeing on on social media and on the internet that's kind of you know people want to take advantage or like let's say ride that wave because it's like a hot topic now and just doing it the wrong way and i think it's kind of i think it's kind of disgusting that some people would take the opportunity to use mental health just to boost their image online Oh, yeah. I mean, I think you see that with a lot of things. And, you know, I don't like to minimize anybody's experience or say that anybody's experience is invalid. But I think you Mm -hmm. you definitely do point to things where people are, you know, maybe approaching it in the wrong way. And I think that's true. Is that like, you know, nothing, no struggle, whether it's mental health or physical health or just life stuff should be exploited ever. And I think if that's the intention behind it, rather than genuinely trying to share somebody share your experience in terms of helping others, then I'm like, you know what, that's, that's not cool. (laughs) That's just not great. And, you know, and I think that that's definitely something that goes on, you know, every time there's, you know, a mass shooting, everybody kind of speaks towards, oh, we need more mental health services. Oh, we need to do this for the mentally ill. We need to do this for mental health. And I'm like, what? Like, thank (laughs) you for your opinion. But at the same time, like, I don't speak about astrophysics as if I have a clue. So, like, <laughs> you you want to say my you're not, you know, a mental health provider and you want to say 
you know, this has been my experience with mental health and this is what helped me through my anxiety, for example, great. But like to make blanket statements of like, oh, this is how we need to improve mental health. Like what, how, based on what? <laughs> what, are you, what are you basing this on? And yeah. I think that's where more people who have that type of conversation and making that type of dialogue okay, it's like, you'd never do that. It's like, if you weren't a doctor, you wouldn't be like, oh, well, this is what I think diabetes treatment needs to go. Because like, what, what do you know where diabetes treatment needs to go? So yeah. we need to treat mental health the same way we would treat any type of medical concern. And that you can speak to your experience or your friend's experience or your family member's experience and what that was like, but you can't speak in general about mental health for all, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, and I actually have a... Um... I have a cool question here for you. Oh, good. Take, feel free to take uh, a minute or two minutes to think about it. But let's say you, you know, you, let's say you have all the knowledge in the world of building any product you, you can. You know, you can, you can design, you can develop, you can code, you can build hardware technology, software technology, either. And you were tapped to build something new for mental health. Mm-hmm. What, what kind of product would you build or what features would you put in this product? What would it look like? What would it feel like? And take time to think about it. But I, I'm, I'm curious to know what, what this app or product looks like for you. Wow. Yeah. So my initial thought, like right off the bat, which is my whole like thing that I always will talk about all day long is that I want something that makes health, all health combined. So I'm like, I'm thinking of that. There's something like now as I'm talking out loud, it's like something that you can show how anxiety affects the rest of your body. Or if there was a way to show how, you know, different ways that stress can affect your physical symptoms and like connecting that and ways that like, or something like rather than just being a mental health app or like here's self-care for your mind. So you're not stressed is that here's self-care, but here's how it affects your mental health. And also here's how it affects, you know, your migraines or your stomach issues or whatever general like medical stuff. Like I want something like that. And because I am very not technologically savvy, I don't know how that works, but like somebody who is more than me should do something with that. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's great. So like an all-in-one tool that helps you because everything is connected. So all-in-one tool that helps you with all of that stuff, mind and body. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for anything that shows people how it's not separate like I don't and I don't know when that started when people are like I love the message mental health is is just as important as physical health totally on board with that but also it's the same it's not just as important it's the same thing they're not separate things it's the same it's your health it's just a matter of like you know no one says oh my arm health compared to my foot health like right (laughs) (laughs) just your health (laughs) yeah so Okay, so my last question. I mean, there's a thousand more things we could talk about, but we're gonna have to have another one. But this yeah, this time. time we have to do it in person. Yeah, I, I, agree. I think it adds another element to it. Absolutely. But my my last question for you is, so you're building Viva Wellness, and it sounds like a cool practice. Thank now, you. what do you see? Where do you see yourself in the future? Are you building out multiple? Um, Viva Wellness offices around the city, the country, the world, or do you see yourself eventually moving into a different type of role still in mental health? Wow. Um, yeah. So I'm going to, you know, do a shout out to my business partner and best friend, Jarell, to be like, don't freak out because I have like big plans <laughs> and he likes to move much slower and I tend to overwhelm him. So we talked about this so he knows what's coming. So okay. ideally, we would do, we would have a official wellness center where you come and you can see a therapist, you can get various coaching services, you can see a nutritionist, you can also attend a yoga class or meditation or get a massage. And so it's all kind of in one place and it would also be community events. So even if you're not a client of ours, you can come take a workshop on mindful eating or you can come take a workshop on stress management and never actually see a provider but it's a community space as well. You know, you could drop in just for a yoga class and never actually see a nutritionist or a therapist. 
but just kind of an all-in-one holistic wellness center. And originally I had it planned in my head, and this is why I like threw the disclaimer at Jarrell, is that originally I had it planned in my head of like, you know, one site in New York City, but then you mentioned the country in the world and I'm like, yeah, like why can't there be a Viva Wellness in Spain? And so maybe now I want there to be a Viva Wellness in Spain. Yeah, I mean, why not? The (laughs) The bigger you think, the harder you go. Right. That's a really good point. So like that part, and we also want to be a wellness resource for people who may never actually visit us, which Mm -hmm. is why, you know, we're working on building the blog and our social media and we want to do online resources like, you know, handouts and webinars and things like that. It's just to be a wellness, a holistic wellness resource for as many people as possible. Yeah. And I have two more ideas for you. So including the blog and all that good stuff. You have a Viva Wellness station inside the Sound of Mind app, and you have, you know, maybe we start with one or two iPads in the waiting room where people can listen to maybe a five-minute pre-audio content thing before they see their the therapist inside Viva Wellness, maybe to calm them down or something, and then maybe we move it into like a pod type of thing in all your Viva Wellnesses around the country. That's actually really smart. And I'm thinking like, oh, I wonder if the people who just come in for yoga would still want to access mental health resources while they're waiting for their class to start. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You see? So that's great. Yeah. This is, I mean, this is recorded. It's, that's it. It's history. It's never being deleted. So we're going to have to make this happen. Yeah. No, absolutely. (laughs) All right. All right. So, uh, Rachel, thanks again for, for joining me on this podcast. I had a lot of fun talking to you about mental health and technology and you know the whole social media thing. And uh, so the next part three is going to be in person. We'll make it happen. Absolutely. We should do it right before you start training for the Brooklyn Half Marathon. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll definitely get that done before I start training. Good, because registration opens at the end of January. Don't worry. When they announce the date, I'll be sure to send it to you. All right. All right. Thanks, Rachel. You're welcome. All right. So I'll see you soon. Sounds good. All right. Bye-bye.